tell me where in the world is crime in San Diego. Welcome back to another episode of Where in the World is Crime in San Diego. How are you doing? Hope you guys are doing well. I hope we hope you guys enjoyed our last episode of uh, Stranger Danger, where we share the story of Jack Doshe and how he tried to kidnap, abduct a child from a elementary school. And also, don't forget, we had the kiddos drop a President's Day special which was pretty awesome. They always love partaking and joining and uh, doing podcasting episodes for us. So yeah. yeah, let us know what you guys thought. I thought it was super cute and it was nice and sweet. It was just a little five minute clip. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen now before we get started. <laughs> so talking about getting started, we have a new episode for you guys this week. Uh, we have a special episode, honestly. Um, we just hit February 25th this past Saturday and it was a, disappearance slash death anniversary of a local story that's really popular here in san diego that ended up being a twin tragedy although these names sound, might sound very familiar to you i can promise there are details that even as old as the case is i didn't know so make sure to stay tuned this week's episode is called taken too soon our disclaimers for this week are kidnapping, rape, and murder. Our sources are murderpedia.org, CBS 8, That Chapter, Oxygen, ABC 10, NBC 7, The Sun Sentinel, San Diego Union Tribune, San Diego Reader, EscondidoGrapevine.com, and womensrunning.com. We are going to talk a little bit about Amber Dubois. She was born October 25th of 1994, and she was the oldest of two. She had a younger sister named Allison Caves. They had different dads at the same mom. At the time, they were living with her mom's living boyfriend, so quote-unquote stepdad, her mom, her younger sister, and herself. And Amber's noted for loving to read. Like She comes off to me as like an overachiever. She loved animals. She was a very independent, free spirit kind of kid. She was taking extra classes so she could graduate high school earlier. Mind you, at this time that we're going to be talking about, she's 14 years old and she's already planning on how to get ahead of the curve for graduation. She has perfect attendance. She, like, I mean, she just sounds like just very driven. Yeah, she she didn't care too much about the fashion or going to the mall. She was more concerned like of not missing a day of school or class. Yeah, she was very, like, scholastically driven. The uh, quote-unquote bookworm. Her ultimate goal once she graduated in college was to become a vet or have some sort of work that had to do with animals. She literally loved animals more than people. She still loved talking to people, but she really had a connection with animals. Yeah, well, like, at that age, you kind of, you're into high school, and you and some kids find out what they want to do as a career, and, and for others, it takes a little more longer. But for her, she clearly knew what she wanted to do. Most high schoolers, at least I didn't, like, had, had no idea what you wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do at that age. So to consider, like, freshman or 14 years old and already knowing, like, what you want as a career path, like, that's pretty impressive. It is impressive. Speaks volumes. So we're going to jump to the morning of February 13th, 2009. 
It's the day before Valentine's Day, which for most schools, that's the day you celebrate Valentine's Day. It's on a Friday. She had her Valentine's in her backpack. But more than that, she had been counting down to this day for a while. Her school had just started a America's Future Farmers program or like an agriculture program where you would adopt an animal. Hers was going to be a lamb for a certain amount of money. And you would get to raise them throughout the semester. So you would feed them, pick up after them, take them for walks, like whatever that entails. And it was an actual class, which is really cool. It's awesome because a lot of the East County, like Ramona, I know Ramona, Escondido, San Pasqual, some of those East County here schools, they participate in that. And what they do is they'll raise these animals. And during the summer at the fair, they'll display them for best looking lamb, cow, whatever it is. Oh, I had no idea. Well, my high school didn't have that. I went to Chilvisa, so we didn't have the space for that. Well, (laughs) she was super excited. She literally like woke up and could not wait to get on her way to school. And her first thing was like her mom let her know, like, hey, I'm going to work early. Uh, I'm going to try to be home earlier so we can go out and do something tonight. It's Friday. Let's like celebrate the weekend. So she's like, all right, mom, have a good day. Bye. And then her stepdad was still in the house. So she realizes that he's about to leave to go to the gym. And she does what any frantic 14 year old does and like, hey, wait, 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 I need something. I need a check for $200 to, you know, put down for my lamb so that I can start my project today. So, of course, he writes out the check. He leaves it on the chair and he just yells to let her know it's there. He doesn't actually see her physically, but he can hear her. So he tells her, like, all right, have a good day at school. Your money's on the couch. Make sure you got it before you leave. She is walking to school happy as can be. She is so excited for what this day has ahead for her. She even had the name picked out for her lamb already. She was going to name her Nanette. Nanette. How cute is that? It's not even like a common name, but it's adorable. I've it's, only met one Nanette in my life. And like, I think it's such a wholesome name. <laughs> I've never met a Nanette before in my life. The one I met was like the sweetest thing ever. So I assume <laughs> it just kind of goes with it. It's cute. I like it. Amber was known to be very responsible and a very routine child, which means like she had everything like in order. She always like took all the proper steps. And part of her routine was whenever she got home from school was to call her mom and let her know, hey, I'm home. You know, see you when you get here. Like this is how my day was. Just a quick check in. And that day, Carrie waited for a phone call and one didn't come in and she thought, "Okay, no big deal. She's probably caught up with her lamb and she's going to be home a little later. Nothing to worry about. But that thought gets brought back up to surface when she gets a phone call from her boyfriend, Dave, letting her know, hey, it's 5 p.m. and Amber's not home yet. And this is like absurdly late for her. So she says, "Okay, I was kind of thinking about it. Maybe she's still at school. So he pops over to school. He goes to the farm. No sight of Amber. But then he remembers there's still a class in session for the agricultural program. So he's like, "Okay, let me go check there. And when he walks in to check there, the teacher lets him know that Amber never made it to school at all that day. That's a huge red flag for me. I would be completely like, oh, my gosh, where can she have gone? And I would start like panic attack right away. Which is exactly what like everybody around her did. So as soon as Carrie gets a phone call that Amber never made it to school and the last known sighting of her was at 730 when she was on her way to school. She knows something is wrong. Like that mother's intuition kicks in. Yeah, definitely for sure. She goes into her boss's office and she says, hey, I got to go home. Someone took my daughter and I got to go. And the reaction that we're hearing a lot is like, maybe she's at a friend's house. Maybe she ran away. Like, 
But again, we've seen by Amber's track record, you know what's a characteristic for a kid and what it isn't. Exactly. So she rushes home. She calls her ex-husband and lets him know, like, Amber's missing. Somebody took her. I know it in my gut. You need to get down here. And the search begins. Escondido police is called over. And of course, their first thought is, how can you be sure she didn't run away? And it's it's one of those things like, okay, she's a teenager. And a lot of parents like to think that they know their teenager kids. But at the same time, like, I there there is no red flag to make it feel like that she would be a runaway because she was so excited to get her lamb. Yeah. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. Like, you can't overreact because chances are that they might just pop up in two hours. But then do you really want to take the chance that that's their story and then it's not and you just lost two hours worth of time? So they start looking, obviously, at the people closest to them. And we hear this in every single case. It's just protocol. And they realize that the whole household has this tendency to, like, run like clockwork. Everybody's very predictable on their next move. But on this particular day, for some particular reason, Dave followed his normal routine. He woke up. He went to the gym in the morning. After the gym, he could not remember for the life of him what route he took to go home. And there's only two options. But one option leads you right at the front of the school at the time that Amber would have, quote unquote, disappeared. And the other option takes you to the back of the school where there's very low traffic and visibility. So either way, you're kind of in a wrong place, wrong time. And then he drops the bombshell and he says that that day, He decided to not go to work. Which, like, if you remember, Amber had perfect attendance. Mom usually on schedule. Like, they don't really miss work just for missing work. Yeah, it lines up where you're you're seen as a potential suspect or person of interest is what they would call it. Right? Because, well, always when when something like this kind of happens, you always try to look at the significant other as a potential suspect. Right. But what are the odds that you're going to miss work on the same day that your stepdaughter goes missing? It's, it's, it's quite a coincidence. And do you want to know where he needed to be? Where? At the movies. Alone. He just wanted to go watch a movie in the middle of the day by himself. Like, just needed to play hooky. Well, mental health day, right? But again, what are the odds that the one day of the year that you decide to not go to work is the same day that she disappears? Not to mention, you're the last person that saw her or heard her, and you're the first person to notice she didn't get home. It's very suspicious. The cards are are stacked against him. And to make matters worse, he's given not one, not two, but three polygraph tests, and all of them come back inconclusive. Dave and Amber were known to have lots of bickering. It got so bad that Amber's mom, Carrie, could not trust him. Like she honestly couldn't figure out what was happening, but whatever it was didn't feel right. So she actually moved out of the home so she can focus on finding Amber without having to like figure out why nothing was lining up. Well, yeah, being feeling that that uncomfortability feeling of potential, like, are you telling me the truth? And yeah, like, how do you trust someone like that? Like nothing's backing you up. Nothing's clearing you from this. You're saying one thing, but the police are finding another. Like, how do you not remember what way you drove home if you do this two to three times a week, every single week? It's very difficult. I don't blame her. I don't blame Carrie at all for moving out. Well, 
after a little old-fashioned detective work, they were able to find that Dave did indeed go to the gym that morning, and he had a session with the personal trainer. And afterwards, they were able to verify with the movie theater that he did go to the movies alone in the middle of the day to watch a movie. And based on the route from where he came and went to, he never crossed the school at the time that they suspected that Amber was taken. So he was officially cleared, which I mean, things weren't looking great, but good news. But it also leads everybody back to square one, which meant following through with over 1,200 tips, 500 interviews. They were able to see that on Amber's phone, it was turned on the following day after she went missing for 20 whole seconds. But that was just long enough for them to realize that A, they tried to access the voicemails and B, it pinged from the exact same cell tower as her home and her school. Keep in mind, she lived very close to her school. I think it was about a mile. Yeah, about a mile from where she is. Really close by. Over 100 volunteers showed up to help search. There was even people from all over the nation with search and rescue dogs offering to come out and help and search. There was flyers, tip lines. The community came together. This became covered nationwide news. It really took San Diego and the nation by a storm. Because it was so out of the blue, it was one day to the next. There was, like She literally disappeared without a trace. There was no clues, no signs, nothing to follow. All dead ends. And just this devastated family and everybody feeling like this could literally be anybody's little girl. It's really scary to think of, you know, and it's just someone so innocent just on their way to school, just taken right off the streets and they just vanish out in thin air. And to give you guys an idea of what type of person Amber was like how different she was from your average 14 year old months before she was taken she gifted her mom a paper for her 40th birthday but it wasn't just any paper she covered it with drawings inside jokes and expressions of love that they had between one another and her mom currently has that framed in her home that's heartbreaking it just like realizes like She was almost like wise beyond her years. Like she was very caring and loving and different and special. Like, yeah, because and and especially with the story, because you don't you don't realize that, you know, what? hey, like something like that small can turn out to be so big and so meaningful. Like it's more than materialistic stuff. It's good memories for the next 13 months. Volunteers would dwindle. The coverage would obviously minimize questions would become to feel like they were never going to be answered. So Amber's disappearance is coming up on when it's one year anniversary where Carrie is now living in a different residence and her roommate at the time comes into her room and tells her that there's another girl missing. This girl is Chelsea King. Now Chelsea, her, her parents are Brent and Kelly King and she also has a younger brother. They live in Rancho Bernardo Chelsea went to Poway High School where she was a senior. Chelsea is seen as having an infectious smile and brilliant red hair. Chelsea was very involved in school. Not only did she play the French horn, she wrote poetry, she was a peer counselor, played volleyball, and also joined the cross-country team. She was an honors high school student. She applied to 11 colleges and she got accepted to all 11 colleges. Talk about a grade A student, right, Angie? Very overachiever, which I feel is a trend for both of these girls. Like, they have that in common. 
Oh, I totally agree. So let's take you to February 25th, 2010. Chelsea notifies her parents that she's going to go to a, a local park, which is Rancho Bernardo Park and Lake Hodges right there in Escondido. Now, this is un very unusual for Chelsea to do because it's her training grounds and it's like her happy place. So she notifies her parents she's going to go there. She tells them it's going to take about an hour and a half for her and she'll be home shortly after dark. It gets past an hour and a half and her parents get concerned. So they go to Rancho Bernardo Park and to go investigate where her car is and see if she's still at the park. They notice that her vehicle is parked and that she left her wallet, her phone, and her uh, iPod or iTouch, whatever it was at the time. It was one of those. Two. iPod. That tells you what time we're dealing with. Yeah, like the little thumb circle. Like, doo -doo 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 -doo. anyways, iPod. I'm that old. Um, it's around 720 when the parents decide to call the police and notify them that it's a missing persons report. Now, given that it has just been over a year since Amber Dubois has been missing, we're talking about multiple agencies are involved in the search party. We're talking about Border Patrol agents, SDPD. We're talking about sheriffs. I mean, you name it, FBI. They're all over this case already as it is. A volunteer who happens to live near the lake is on the trail that Chelsea was last seen on. As they're continuing their search, they walk nearby what happened to look like a piece of clothing. And as they approach it, it turns out to be some underwear. And it's not just any kind of underwear. It's women's underwear. And on it, there's traces of blood. And they decide to pick it up because maybe potentially it has ties to Chelsea. As they continue further down, they find a shoe and another sock. The shoe has a resemblance compared to what Chelsea would run in. So they collect that as evidence as well. Further down, they were able to find the second shoe as well as a sports bra that wasn't too far from where the initial underwear with blood and the other shoe. The blood samples are taken to get tested to see if there's any match on a potential suspect in CODIS or even on a sex offender list. As they're waiting for the results to come back, the search continues for Chelsea and her whereabouts. The news of her disappearance is catching nationwide. Uh, there's the $5,000 reward. Even the FBI is being involved. The family is pleading to find Chelsea and have her come home safely. There's panic around the county because could these two cases potentially be connected? Is there a serial killer? Is there, you know, what is at stake? Is my family, am I safe? Are my children safe? Like, I would be concerned. Um, I would definitely just be on the watchful eye. Wouldn't you, Angie? Oh, definitely. I'm pretty sure all of San Diego was. These two names, like, have changed San Diego County history and, like, the measures we take in safety. I mean, I was very young at the time, and I still remember these names. I definitely, too. I Even for Amber Dubois, I definitely do remember that name very, very well. And then when Chelsea's came out, it just happened like, oh, my gosh, it was the same month, just a year apart. I was fresh out of high school, so I was right in that age group. And yeah, like I. I'm so glad that now I know the girls behind the story, but it's. Anyway, guys, looks like we're out of time, so make sure you join us next week to figure out what happens next. Wait, wait, before we go, we're missing one thing. 
our SBS. Small Business Spotlight. So, we've been having a lot of wet weather. And you know what happens with wet weather, Angie? Nobody knows how to drive. Exactly. (laughs) So, that also means a lot of accidents. So, we had a listener uh, DM us, Collision Center in National City, um, for all of your repair needs. Because, hey... Um, people don't know how to drive and there's wet weather. So if you guys get your car damaged or need any repairs, please call these guys collision center in national city. Uh, their phone number is uh, 619-434-4960. Um, give them a call and let them know that we sent you guys to get your cars repaired. This is one SBS that I hope you don't need, but if you do, it sounds like you're in very reliable hands. They've been in business for over 43 years, small family business. And even though they don't have a social media, the fact that they have a website kind of sounds like this is their like with the times kind of thing. Oh, definitely. And I, I, I looked up and I, uh, I was able to find a Yelp uh, on them as well. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're on there. Um, you know, like we said, like with SBSs, you guys can send them to us our way and we will check them out and verify them. And yeah, we, we, this is what we're all about. And they also offer free estimates and 24-7 service and towing. So their phone number is 619-434-4960. So we'll make sure to share their website. If you need someone reliable, they come from a great recommendation. So check them out. Go support them. Hopefully you don't need them, but if you do. So make sure you guys tune in to our second part of this episode next week. We're going to leave you hanging just a little bit, but we're not going to let you out to dry. I was going to say hang tight. <laughs> yes. Hang 10, hang tight. Uh, what is that? The the shaka. Oh, you know what shaka is? Because you don't, you don't really know. You don't know. That's You're not, you're not side bra. Thing, It is a bra. Uh. Make sure to stay tuned in every Monday for your next dose of Where in the World is Crime in San Diego. Till then, catch us on the next case. And in case we don't see you, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Tell me where in the world is Crime in San Diego. Hey,